China EVs and more, where my co-host Le Xing and I will go over the week's most important and interesting news coming out of the China EV, AV, and mobility sectors. What Le and I discussed today is based on our opinions and should not be taken as investment advice. If you enjoy this room, please help us get the word out to other enthusiasts, and of course, tune in again next week. My name is Tu Li. I am the managing director at Sino Auto Insights a Beijing-based consultancy that helps organizations bring innovative and tech-focused products and services to the transportation and mobility sectors. I write a free weekly newsletter that we pull many of our discussion topics from. You can sign up for it at sinoautoinsights.com, which of course I encourage you all to do. Lei, can you please introduce yourself? Yes, sir. Hi. Uh, good evening from my side. Uh, this is your co-host Lei Xing, former chief editor of China Auto Review. This is episode number sixty nine, and it's happening on June ninth <laughs> here, uh, U.S. time. Uh, I'm a bit of a sensitive to the numbers, so uh, it's a coincidence. But <laughs> I guess the 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 chatter this whole week since we last talked, basically Apple's CarPlay, right? That was uh, announced at the uh, WWDC. Uh, I think it was a big topic discussed in the industry. Uh, and then the Jidu Robo Day. Let me interrupt you really quickly. It's CarPlay version 2.0 is already better than a lot of infotainment systems out there. So please continue. It, it seems that way. So the Jidu Robo Day reveals the Jidu Robo 1 concept production robo car. So that's a mouthful. Neo earnings plus CPCA's May EV sales. So let's get into uh, Jidu first. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I say it's the, the biggest Chinese smart EV reveal this year. Uh, that's my personal opinion. So let me start off by asking you this question. What word comes to mind when, when you saw this thing? What was your, you know, and I'll share mine. What word? Oh, that's a good question. I think that I I, I want to say technology or metaverse. <laughs> okay. Well, so I was restaurants opened up this week, so I went and had some dinner with a few friends sitting out, and so I had the the show unveil on my iPhone, and as I'm watching the lead up, they had a little homage to Kit on Night Rider, and then this. As want to do in Chinese uh, unveils, they have the the comments popping up on the left side, right? And so how you see traditional product unveils from the automakers is just a 180-degree turn from what Baidu and Geely did with the Jidu. And I thought that was refreshing, and the, the metaverse was kind of cool. I don't know how that'll age, so will it be like kind of dated in a year or two? Probably. But, you know, that was kind of cool. You know, my first, the first word that came to mind uh, once I saw this thing. What's um, The word that came to mind was underwhelming. And this is an honest opinion that I told Tony about. Uh, he, he asked me about, you know, some of my, you know, honest opinion. Right on. And the reason I say that um, is not in a, what, uh, it sounds negative, but the reason I say that, because coming into this event, you have Baidu, right? The, the search engine giant and, and 
perennially the number one autonomous driving robotaxi company, teaming up with Geely, the next global empire that's still expanding. Right. And the way they positioned this car was a auto robot or a robo car. So coming into this, I think I at least had rather high expectations of what exactly they're going to present as far as this being a robot sure. is concerned. Okay, and when it came out, and when I saw the Chinese chatter social media, <laughs> the first uh, set of um, you know comments that I've seen was, uh, remember I traded tweets with you that yep. this is a deja vu, meaning some of the, at least the design aspects that we seem to to have seen somewhere else, whether it's the the the, the fascia, right, the, the the front design, whether it's the you know a pillar to a pillar screen, whether it's you know some of the lighting features, exterior lighting, the door handleless doors, the door the the butterfly swinging doors. Uh, and then what do you call it? The suicide doors or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is the first set of comments that I've seen on my, <laughs> you know, WeChat moments that that people are commenting. Okay, so uh, and we we kind of try to understand what exactly being you know they had the robotic, futuristic, and emotional, the three you know uh, features right that that the uh, claims that they have for this car. So I guess from a design point of view, it wasn't that out of this world, maybe, that that for us who's been in the industry, who's been, you know, observing these new cars that are coming out, there's some kind of, what's the word, homogeneity? Yeah, homogeneity. Homogeneity, that it's really difficult these days, at least from a design point of view, to to have something that you say, okay, wow, this is, we've never seen this before. Right. So at least from that point of view, it did not accomplish that, oh, coming into this, okay, this is an auto robot. Uh, how, how cool can it be? I don't think that was accomplished. So that's why I said it was underwhelming. But on the flip side, I think what they did was the the metaverse. Okay, it, it's a bit cheesy. I think they little had bit, this. Little uh, bit. Yeah, they had this sheet on app where you can sign it, sign up, and and be right uh, in it. Yeah, and then they had this Xi Jia Jia, the zero 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 owner, <laughs> basically an avatar. Avatar. So these are a bit cheesy, but after the press conference, they already had these uh, first set of media who seen the actual car and did the reviews they launched they, they published these videos and one thing i did like was if you look at the side profile i think this is the best designed if you look at it from a side profile like a silhouette yeah the silhouette i i think it's 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 close to being perfect uh look at the side side uh profile so until the lidar pops up then it's like <laughs> Uh, that you know, that's ne- next thing we we can discuss is basically ninety percent will stay, and the ten percent. What are those ten percent that are likely will not stay? So so lidars are cool. I think they they debated about 
where to put the LiDAR, you know, the benefits and the pros and cons of putting it as a watchtower or putting it on the bumpers. And they decided this was a new way that it would put it on the hood. Let me add a little bit of color to that. This is where form needs to follow function because LiDAR is going to be a key to L3, L4 autonomous. So it can't be, it looks cooler if we do a pop-up on the you know left front, front quarter. So hopefully that was a negotiation between the design engineers and the autonomous vehicle team and said, this and still optimize. Yes, this still optimizes for safety and for uh, you know image imaging capabilities, right? So they did, they did um, apply for a patent. I'm not sure if, if they got it, but they did apply for a patent for that setup. They, they call it a collapsible lidar. But this is, uh, I personally believe, this is one of the features that will not make it to the production car uh, because if you look at it at least from the videos that have shown, it's rather slow coming up and, and uh, re, uh, you know, uh, collapsing, collapsing. So they did talk about in case of a, a accident, right? A pedestrian hitting on pedestrian, uh, whether that'll meet relevant sure. regulations. Uh, but I don't think it's going to make it into the production car. I think they have to compensate and dis- make a decision. Well, you and I had kind of debated direct messages about the butterfly doors make it into production as well but no that 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 won't happen yeah i, I don't think so either believe. but like and the uh retractable steering wheel also something that that i think will get a tweak so let me piggyback off of your comments because there are limitations i guess outside of these little kitschy things about these collapsible LIDAR, the butterfly doors, the collapsible tail, you know, these physical features, you know, what traditional automakers would think were unique features to the vehicle. And I almost feel that the UX guys are back in the lab now because they got some initial feedback and they didn't really describe what this emotional intelligence and how it's going to be the the use of AI is going to be like the most in any vehicle. So that's not clearly defined internally. That That's what that tells me. And so I, I didn't expect the car to be like revolutionary from a design standpoint. I wanted, I was more curious, and this is where I was disappointed, that they couldn't articulate, or they didn't actually, Not I won't say they couldn't, they didn't articulate how the how the UX was going to work well with the passengers, right? Well, I think a lot of um, what they try to show was this is the voice AI part of it, the continuous voice AI that they they pretty much got rid of all the physical buttons. There's no shift levers, right? There's no right, just just a steering wheel and then a huge screen in front of you. Yeah, there's no physical air conditioning. There's no physical. Yeah. So right. So so supposedly that the voice, um, you know, uh, with the Baidu's dual OS is supposed to be one of the big biggest features. And then you know, Xiaopeng, he kind of 
posted a moment and is saying, you know, this this all scenario voice thing continues, you know, we've already do, doing that. <laughs> but the key here, Lei, is that do people use it? And when do they use it? Because at the end of the day, if it's not useful, it's, a, it's not a good feature, right? And so if, if He Xiaopeng says that, he needs to back it up with statistics that say 90% of our users use it. And they use it for these 15 things, right? Because that's where Baidu has this opportunity. That's where Xiaomi has this opportunity. Because this is the first, first of a number of vehicles that are going to be launched by technology companies. And so they have this opportunity to redefine that stuff. And to me, Jidu took over for Xpeng because Xpeng originally was positioning themselves as the most technologically advanced smart EV in China. They got blown away by what Baidu, or not Baidu, what Jidu is promising. So given, you know, given that this is if I remember the number correctly, this is day number 463 since the inception. Yep. So it's roughly, so March of 2021, so roughly 15 months, right? That, I mean, this is more than China speed. Yes. Coming out with a concept car that's 90%, you know, close to the production vehicle in 15 months. Well, and they cheated because they already have <laughs> existing architecture from Geely and stuff like that. That's, so. that's where Geely comes in. You know, the SEA architecture and, and Baidu just, I think one comment that I heard from uh, Zhou Xia uh, talking to some of the media was that in terms of the intelligent aspect of this car, smart connectivity, this is a generation ahead of everybody else. Okay, so that's that's his comment. And again, he benchmarked against the Model Y, which is... I guess in terms of... Yeah, even the Model Y is a little bit slow. Yeah, in t- so in in terms of size, right? The cadence, I think this is just to put this out, um, how you interact with that screen, with, with the... Uh, I think that's the next step. Uh, the specs, they didn't even talk about the batteries, right? We know CATL is supplying the batteries, but none of the specs were announced. Size, uh, length, you know, wheelbase. But... Again, this tells me that they still haven't figured some of that fundamental stuff out yet, right? Or it's it's a cadence that they'll do something at the next event. So, uh, and and the other big part of this car, I think everybody was looking forward to anyways, was how robotic can it mean? And when I ask that question, I mean, how autonomous can it be? And even though it's got the LiDARs, okay, I believe, like everyone else, you're not going to get the standardized everything ADAS that they will do this or do that. Uh, it's going to be a vision-only option plus a LiDAR-supported option. Right. And you can bet there will be revenue streams coming in for a subscription. Or they're, they're, they're hoping for, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, and, and keep in mind, this is a 200,000 MMB. I guess starting price. Yes. So it could go up to three hundred thousand. Who knows? But that's pretty cheap nowadays. You look at the Tang. The Tang uh, DMP just launched yesterday. That's more than three hundred thousand MMB. Yes. Right. So as the traditional guys go up market, you know, traditional being BYD, the the startups are really, really trying to go mass market, right? And and also the other aspect of it being robotic, I, I think, was also 
these moving parts, right? The, the retractable steering wheel, the the up and down lidar, the the rear spoiler. You know how how you communicate with the car inside and outside, being emotional. And futuristic is the immer, um, immersive experience in the cockpit. And and one I think one thing that that differentiates in terms of competition is you always have something that other people don't have. And this time it's the Snapdragon 8295. And we're only talking about 8155 being popularized. So Baihu is already going with this next generation chip. I think that's like 8X speed. Yeah, right. And that means to me, this, this, you know, I was filling around with Siri and CarPlay today. The, this this immersive conversational interface interaction is going to be a big part of this car. So you and I have a pretty good relationship with the Baidu folks, and so I think they they really value um, our input or you know our outtakes. And so one of the things that I I'd mentioned to them, you know, and I traded some DMs with Tony this morning, but uh, is. And let me ask you this first question before I, I follow on. They need to reconcile the robot part of the car and the emotional intelligence part because those those two words oppose each other. How are they going to connect to create a better user experience? That needs to be clearly defined. And in Chinese, does does it... Do you see it the same way as, you know, a robot is, if you think about a robot, it's pretty cold, right? It's pretty, you know, like, and then emotional intelligence, like, you know, I understand you, I'm warm. And so in English anyways, I just feel that there's this, these opposite kind of positioning going on. But in Chinese, does it feel the same way? Um, I I don't necessarily think that they oppose each other. I, I just think to me personally, the connotation when you say it's a robot car, to me, that I believe you're talking about this is self-driving car or, or autonomous capabilities. Okay, got it. I, I, I wouldn't, you know, think over to, to, to the AI part of it, how you interact. But nowadays, I mean, that's But that's the thing, must. though, right? If, if, if I don't have physical knobs and buttons, the robot part is completely tied to the emotional intelligent part. And so, again, that's where it's like, for me, it's a little weird. Yeah, supposedly... Every single function and feature can be activated with voice. Right. Okay, but again, we talk about this being a concept car versus in an actual production car, right? You have to reconcile. You have to balance. There could be these Chinese laws that you and I maybe don't know about. Maybe you do. I, I don't know about it. That requires a physical doorknob. That requires a physical X, Y, and Z. So these are the kind of things that, from a regulation standpoint, will be dictating what's in and what's out of the car. Some of that. And then the the other thing really quickly is that I told the Baidu folks that you just got to fulfill that promise. You've made these promises to people in this huge, splashy unveil now you just gotta create that hardware software integration that you're leaning into and if that voice command stuff is one of the differentiating features it's got to be best in class it can't be clunky can they execute on this 
And that's one part of it. And the other part is uh, whether they can execute is uh, similar to, to all the other uh, startups that supposedly the door-to-door all scenario, it's still L2, I believe, but all scenario um, autonomous driving, right? That Xpeng is trying to, I think that's been delayed. Behind. Yeah, 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 right. So, so, so you have these, you know, you have this, you know, talk the talk, but what's the walk the walk going to be like? Uh, we don't know yet. That's the promise part that you're referring to. So there's 12 cameras on, on this Robot One. How is the Chinese government going to react? Probably nothing, but they did make a fuss about it a year and a half ago with Tesla. So fair is fair, but I, I doubt it if, if there's going to be any fuss about this. Yeah, and also the side side um, cameras that that's extrude um, out. That I don't even know whether they can make it to uh, production. So we'll, we'll we'll see. You know, the steering wheel, the pop up lidars, the doors, how they open. These these are question marks, which I believe they will not make it a production. Yeah, there's uh, some. The last comment I have is that Geely is who. I think you and I agree that they're trying to reposition themselves as being more technologically or more of a high-tech company than a traditional automaker. They're just riding on Baidu's coattails to to really pull them into that kind of vector, right? It has Baidu's fingerprints all over it, but you don't really see Geely in the background at all, right? Yeah, and I would use maybe platform innovator. This is a term that Maribara uh, used for for describing GM, so kind of GLEs right <laughs> with the SEA platform facilitating Baidu on, on this robocar, and we didn't even you know there 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 was no talk about you know the batteries or the the EV part of it. Everything was on how the the, the smart part of it was right. So that's 3.0, the intelligent uh, car 3.0 age. As, as Zhou Xia refers. <laughs> Let's not underestimate that point you're making because we're not competing on battery range anymore. Everybody no. can pretty much get no. X kilometers. We're that, competing on features. This is where the market enters, right? Yeah, and that's that's why we call it the second half of the competition, right? The, the, the term often being used. So, you know, this is this is where... We're starting to see the elimination of the E in front of the V. And I think it's important to note that because Europe and the United States aren't aren't there yet. They're they're definitely not there yet. There's not enough products, there's not enough sales, and there's not enough competition to really push the envelope on what you can do from a software standpoint, from a partnership standpoint, what apps I want, what capabilities I want in the vehicle. And so, but, and we'll talk about this later, but Apple is trying to push that a little bit with with version two of CarPlay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the consumers are completely different as well. The way they accept or em- embrace new things, not as aggressive as the Chinese consumers. Yeah, so they're... So Baidu just decided to go straight to where their target market lives, right? On in the metaverse, on on uh, online, and stuff like that. Where I th- I think the first wave of EV companies kind of dipped a toe in in those areas. Baidu was just like, you know, I'm diving right in, okay. And so, should we move on to 
just a quick May sales thing. And and let me let me start this, Lay. I'll give a quick update on status in, in Beijing. Uh, starting Monday of this week, everything started to open back up. Restaurants could have dine-in at 75% capacity. And subway stations started opening up. And offices started opening up. As I'd mentioned earlier, my wife is actually working in her office. We are required, not required, again, not mandated, but effectively it's a tacit mandate that we need to get tested every 48 hours. My kids will go back to school on Monday, but here's how fragile the situation is. Yesterday, or two days ago now, Chaoyang had a couple of cases. So they've shut down the clubs and the bars now. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're open for 48 hours. And in Shanghai, there are still a couple areas that got re-locked down. So it is going to be fragile like this. And they have these testing centers that are all over the place in, in Beijing and Shanghai. That's no, That's the new normal. Yeah, I think people are pretty much getting used to this nowadays. Right, uh, with the understanding that if you are to if you want to do this, then the prerequisite is you have to do this, <laughs> and and life carries on. It's not completely open, but it's open. <laughs> That's kind of the. And if people are wondering in detail why it, I said it's a tacit mandatory to get tested every forty eight hours is because there's a health kit and. It tells you if you're green, number one. So green meaning that you, you're you not infected. And then number two, it has integrated, and this only happened about a week ago, two weeks ago. When's the last time you got a test? And restaurants, first of all, they're going to ask you to show the green code, and then they're going to look at when the last time you've been tested is. So most office buildings and the subway cards have also integrated this. And again, uh, this is the new normal. So, yeah. But, but anyways, yeah. Back May to sales, the- <laughs> May sales are starting to recover. We saw so it's actually stronger than I expected. To be honest, at least from the CPCA's numbers, quite quite a huge rebound. Um, I think fifty percent rebound, right, uh, month on month. So and and Tesla, you know, I just retweeted uh, Qinggang's. <laughs> He tweeted something about Tesla getting back to normal. Uh, 40,000 units produced since they opened up uh, April 19th. And then I think their first five months total deliveries out of Giga Shanghai was like 210 or 200 something um, thousand units. But the thing is, with the purchase tax cut on the traditional ICE vehicles, we say the tipping point has passed, which means... Uh, you know, nothing's going to stop this trajectory of continuing. So NEVs as a percentage of sales, right? We we see the numbers is more than 20% again. I think retail for the Chinese brands were over 50% by CPCA numbers. And if you look at that list that you retweeted. From 42 how? Yeah, with the ex- exception of Tesla, everybody on the list that's gotten over 10K was a Chinese brand. So no... <laughs> You know, no, no wonder that that their penetration is so high because I think it's 
consumers are used to it. They once you 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 get into EV, you buy EV, you're it's it's you're not gonna go back to ICE. That's one. And the other factors I think at, at play are anyways is there's additional stimulus on the EV side of it as well uh, in, in numerous regions. And on the policy side, you still have to meet this dual credit requirements. That's been in place for years, certain percentage that you have to meet. And and I think one thing to mention is, again, is um, actually P, if you look at the PHEVs, driven mostly by uh, BYD, yeah. right? They, they have, what, 500,000, 600,000 orders on hand, and quite a few of those are PHEVs, the DMIs, the DMPs. So June, again, should be another huge month, probably back to normal. Uh, numbers if everything goes um, no hiccups now that the safety net is put in place i'm not knock on woodlay i'm hoping that these citywide lockdowns are kind of not going to happen there'll still be lockdowns in neighborhoods and complexes but hopefully beijing is 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 pretty open all summer and I, i i'm yeah that's the only thing i can hope for yeah, and, and you know, CPCA, um, the Secretary General, he again reiterated his prediction of 5.5 million. Hmm. So my latest projection is about 5.3 million, looking at it, uh, you know, from a quarterly sure. uh, trend. So I, I believe five plus, no problem. Six will be a stretch. And 5.5 million is pretty optimistic. But I, I think things are looking up. Things are looking up, and and uh, you know we can go into a Neo a little bit. Neo, I think, <laughs> hopefully, even if we get out of the COVID mess, getting factories back online, if we hit these super high numbers in June, July, August, which we think could happen, the other constraint still could be batteries and chips. So until that capacity issue, until those supply issues are cleared, there could be a ceiling on production because of supply chain issues, not just because of factory closures, right? Yeah. And uh, going going to toward NEO, so NEO, it feels like from their earnings report and the call that they, they haven't hit bottom yet as far as, you know, margins <laughs> and, and this headwind. So Q2 will be even worse than Q1. So that's one of the conclusions from, from the earnings call. Uh, at least from a financial perspective and delivery, right? I got to tell you, I, I got to say this really quickly, okay? And this is unfair, but life is unfair, right? The, the There's that sports analogy. The best ability is availability. And if your cars aren't available to sell, then you're not doing your job. So I look at Neo's challenges of not being able to, pr- able to produce as a management issue because... Despite these, if across the board, everybody can't produce, then I get it. But everyone else is able to get over 10,000 units. Why can't Neo? So this is where I think they need to emphasize management of operations a little bit more closely. Well, I guess one answer to, to your why question is is perhaps their positioning, right? Yeah, uh, for sure. Also, they're ramping up, right, this, this important new models, the, the 757 models, right? And they're facing 
they, although they didn't say this specifically, there will definitely be some cannibalization going on. On both the ET5 and ET7 and the ES6 and ES8 for the ES7 on both sides. Yeah, and so when you go from 3 to 6, sometimes I think it doesn't necessarily mean that your sales are automatically going to increase. It will, but right, you 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 have to balance, you know, you have these still these orders that you have to fulfill, but I mean, I, I would imagine that the ET7 and the ET5 right now are probably among all of the orders, they're probably, you know, at the top in, in terms of what they have to still deliver. And they did say that May had a record month in terms of order intake, whatever that number is, we don't know. But June, they did say it would be a record month of delivery, so we can expect, what, 12,000, 11,000, 12,000. I think their record was like 10... 500 or something that was dis- I thought it was 11.5 but you might be right I think it was March was it March just a bit, a bit over 10,000 uh, a month but right you t- you tend to look past the first half already right forget about the first half because the second half is gonna be really if Neil can deliver quantitatively and qualita- qualitatively as promised and it seems that they can, and they, they did mention the 20K run rate end of this year, and, and plus the 10K at the Neo Park, uh, which is, they mentioned, three to four months after production begins. So I would imagine that's early next year. Yeah. So let's say at the end of this year, Neo does 20000 a month. Deliveries. It's possible. So... Let me put an asterisk to that, Lay. If we if we want five point three to five point five, almost everybody needs to get to twenty thousand units a month, <laughs> right? You're responding to the tweet, huh? Yeah. So, <laughs> well, we'll announce officially when that floor needs to get raised, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a psychologically, uh, you know, ten k is is such a it's a minimum, yeah, right? In order to be regardless a, of price point. A, Regardless yeah, of price point. If, if you need to be at the forefront of everything. And uh, more, I guess, info on, on that mass market brand, right? All these second half of 2024. And, and you know, a lot going on. So for, for, for I can yeah. forgive Neo because they have stacked their deliveries or of the two important cars, right? ES7, not as important as ET5, obviously. And we could expect ET5. I would think to be at least 2x ES7, at least 2x. And degree of difficulty, again, on ET5 is much higher because it's a new factory. So let's make sure we keep an eye on initial quality of the first couple thousand, few thousand units coming off of the line for the ET5. I think that's an important thing that uh, needs to be tracked because of this new factory. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, the Wall Wall Street looks, or the you know, they look at the quarterly results more. Um, you know, we we kind of uh, maybe the, the the sense I got at least from the earnings call was let's look past the past and let's uh, look forward. Well, the, and and Neo in particular has a lot to look forward to, right? But the margin stuck uh, kind of stood out to me, and the yeah, average yeah. of eighty five hundred yeah. units a month for Q1 is not great, 
right? So it's con- been consistently under 10,000 units for a quarter. So, you know, you, you, you're not cutting slack, but I, I like to cut some slack. <laughs> well, <laughs> still, but, you know. Because this but, is me wearing my operations hat. And yeah. you can't make excuses about X, Y, and Z when there's other companies that are getting it done. This week, BYD surpassed Volkswagen Group for market cap. So now BYD is the third most valuable car company in the world behind Tesla and Toyota. Psychological blow to Germany. And it so happens that BYD is working with both Tesla and Toyota. (laughs) (laughs) And they're the three top three uh, most valuable uh, automakers. (laughs) <laughs> yes, and the the next announcement that that's a good segue. BYD official did confirm that they are going to be working with Tesla to supply batteries, and so you and I were DMing with Steve Levine, trying to think through some scenarios here. But I wrote in my newsletter that this is. This has multiple implications because maybe Tesla doesn't want to be beholden to CATL, number one. Number two, maybe Tesla is also looking at BYD having a better shot at opening a battery factory in the U.S. And so I look at this as a play by Tesla to mitigate risk, but also create more leverage between their relationship with CATL. and. You know, BYD is happy to be a supplier because it further validates their technology. Yeah, lots of implications, not just the supply relationship. Oh, for sure, without question. But, But I also wrote on the newsletter that with the volume that Tesla has and depending on how much of that volume is going to be given to BYD, BYD could build a custom blade just for Tesla. So, uh, and, and normally in these situations, when a new supplier comes on for an important part with the GM, with a Toyota, they'll normally go 80-20. So CATL will still supply 80% of, of the batteries and then BYD will get 20. And as they get the kinks out of the system, supply chain, quality, reliability, software bugs, and ultimately pricing, that's when Tesla will probably either start reducing orders to CATL and increasing the corresponding orders order to BYD. But remember, on the Tesla side, when we introduce another part, increases the complexity of the manufacturing, right? Yeah, and and also, I think the issue with uh, BYD is we've been discussing this this you know C two. To C to C to P and C to C and C to B and how those are going to play with you know BYD's setup with Tesla. And one thing that's really important is that the this doesn't affect Europe and the United States as much for Tesla, but they have no new features on their cars in China, anyways, right? And with the competition just coming out, gangbusters, so many more competitors and new features and new capabilities. Tesla really needs to pull in some of their some of their their new new tricks, new toys in order to maintain sales, I think. And so 
you know, this is likely another reason for them to uh, use BYD better range than than a 2022 or 2022 model year three and Y, right? And uh, when we talk about capacity, we really talk about battery capacity. We really talk about the raw materials. And imagine, let's say BYD does 1.5 million uh, this year as projected. Was was it BYD that had the relationship with, with the South Africa? Lithium mine? Lithium mines. Was, was it BYD, right? I mean, like, imagine that BYD has to meet its own half a million order backlog and at the same time supplying somebody like Tesla, and you wonder how they do it. This goes back to next level, right? To me, again... And and I don't mean to be beat a dead horse, but the best ability is availability. And if BYD is just churning, first of all, they're hitting their their numbers right over a hundred thousand units three months in a row, right? So they're not having production challenges per se. And now they've made all these announcements about supplying to Tesla. And when we're talking about Tesla, we're not talking about small volume, right? So if they've made that commitment to Tesla, then we know that they're able to get. At least probably ten thousand units of uh, cell packs out to Tesla per month, at least, right? So it's it's amazing to see how operationally efficient BYD is because I I actually haven't been able to uh, un, you know pull the veil off to really understand how they're doing it because I am an operations guy, so I'm very curious how they're doing it so successfully versus their competitors, right? At high volume. So we're not talking 8,000 units a month. We're talking 120,000 units. So on orders of magnitude, more efficient than their competitors. So amazing stuff. The only other thing that I have, Lay, is Cadillac teased their super sedan that's going to be about a 2 million RMB. Celestique. Yeah, just parts of it, right? So I, I, I admire Cadillac. They're coming back. They seem to be coming back a bit strong. Maybe they see some weakness in the Germans and they see an opportunity in the China market for sure. And they are gunning for Bentley. They're not gunning for Audi. They're not gunning for BMW because, again, this super sedan is priced at around $300,000 potentially. So and they also this week launched that hyper car that's kind of like a Le Mans race car. Oh, right? for the Le Mans. So yeah. okay. Okay. you gotta give them kudos. I, I always said I applaud people that and companies that want to push the envelope. If and we're only going to be critical of them late is if they can't execute properly, right? Yeah. And I also just kind of see that what uh, Oliver Zipsa said regarding the uh, twenty thirty five ban uh, in Europe. Right, him putting on the ACEA president's hat, and it's it's kind of I don't know to me B to me BMW um, truly is actually one of the pioneers in the EV space, right? And yes, for for some reason they've kind of slowed down and gotten uglier, <laughs> and so yeah, but because their vehicles they're not as attractive as they were with these huge front grills. So, but you know, and their pricing is not that competitive either. Yeah, I mean, he did have a point, though. Uh, given the current, I don't know. I mean, given the current internal external environment, kind of, sort of similar, I guess, 
let's say the Carlos Tavares and uh, Luca de Mayo are kind of, they're in a camp where they're, they're kind of more conservative, though they have these strategy, strategy laid out. But I think they're a little bit mom on, at least, you know, comparing to, let's say, Volvo, right? Volvo is 2030, we're all electric. Cadillac, we're, we're 2030. You know, Lexus, we're all electric. These companies are, are rather a, a bit more conservative. So it was interesting to, to see him uh, commenting, you know. <laughs> and we do know of one company in particular, Lei, that's gunning for them here in China, right? A bunch of ex-German <laughs> car company executives that have formed a stealth startup. But uh, the the other thing I think is worth mentioning to to the audience is that the the European Union is really aggressively pushing for the elimination of of, of ICE and, and diesel fueled engine vehicles, and so that's dictating a lot of the the growth in that region. The United States has not even China right? has they, not. They, they, Decided on a on, right. Though China is leading in terms of sales and and uh, park, but I think in that sense, yeah, EU is trying to be the be the leader. China is kind of dictating. It, it they'll never flat out say we're going to do this on this date, but by using the credit system and all this other stuff, they're effectively forcing the foreign automakers to make that move. Right, so. If the United States really wants to try to catch up, then the government's really going to have to start dictating force-feeding policies that are much more aggressive with EV adoption. That, that's my humble opinion. Yeah. And then that post-R3, right? Uh, teaser, uh, which I think is, is a key model yes. for them. The China and the U.S. play. And and we we should remember that Polestar, Jidu, they're all Geely brands, and the Polestar 3, which is going to be built, I think, both in China and the United States, is going to start off at around $75,000 and is aiming directly at the Porsche Cayenne market segment and the, and the X5 segment, which, which is interesting. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm excited to see it. It looks good from the outside. I tend to think their interiors are a little bit too... Scandinavian, a little yeah. bit too to, yeah. to, uh, Spartan, but uh, they have good lines. I think the Polestar 2 is a little bit awkward. It's a good car. I like the car, but the design's a little awkward. That brings us to the end of this week's show. Lay and I thank you for tuning in. My name is Tu Lee, and you can find me on Twitter at Sino Auto Insight. That's S-I-N-O-A-U-T-O-I-N-S-I-G-H-T. You can find Lei on Twitter at LeiXing77. That's L-E-I-X-I-N-G-77. If you wouldn't mind rating and or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you grab your podcast from, we'd appreciate that as well. Even better, if you enjoy this show, please tell your friends about it. Please join us again next week as we track down all the latest news on China, EVs, and more. 